Hello and welcome back to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name is Garrick Heilman. I am the head of research at Blockchain.com and a visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. One often overlooked aspect of the story of the rise of Bitcoin is the critical role played by gifting cryptocurrency, meaning the common practice of giving crypto away for free. Indeed, many came to own their first Bitcoin through the free Bitcoin faucet website set up by the developer Gavin Andreessen or via giveaways by the investor Roger Ver at in-person meetups. The amount of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies donated to charitable causes has also arguably not always received the attention it deserves. Today, major charities, including Save the Children and the American Cancer Society, accept cryptocurrency donations. And some individuals have given away tens of millions of dollars of cryptocurrency through entities like the Pineapple Fund. To talk about the state of crypto giving, I recently spoke with Pat Duffy, co-founder of The Giving Block. Pat and I discussed a range of topics, including what are the biggest obstacles and challenges Pat encounters when approaching a charity or institution about accepting crypto donations. We talked about political donations. What are the current rules about donating crypto to politicians and how how he sees this area changing as crypto legislative activity heats up? And also some famous instances of crypto giving and what motivates someone to give away crypto versus fiat. Pat, welcome to the blockchain.com podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to start off with our standard question for all our guests. Tell us about how you earned your first dollar or euro or pound. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I guess two answers. Like one is through a job and then one is like at home. Um, So at home, my dad had a thing where it's just like, you don't get anything unless you do something. And it was just like, over the top adamant about that. So like for dessert and stuff, when we were little kids, we had to empty the trash cans in the bathrooms. It was like the way that that started. So he'd like send us to the upstairs bathrooms downstairs, just like get those and dump in the main one for, for ice cream, which seems like a little over the top, but I think that was cool where it sort of like tried to establish work ethic from the time you're like four. Um, and then I guess first uh, like making money was pre-jobs, just selling like Gatorades and gum out of a locker, like in, in uh, middle school, like one of those classic moves. I wasn't the one who came up with the idea. I wish I had, but I had a buddy who was doing that. So we were like little entrepreneurs then. Um, and then like job, uh, actual entrepreneurial stuff. It's funny for both myself and my co-founder in high school, we had like little micro businesses. So like I would sell Bluetooth speakers at flea markets on weekends. You just drive and set up early in the morning. Um, and would sell those in Pennsylvania and Jersey. Uh, and then my co-founder, Alex Wilson, he sold domains and that would help people sell their cars on, uh, on eBay for commission. So selling sugar in schools is a, a long time lucrative way to get a start in, in business. I, I, I did something similar with, um, I think it was blow pops, buying them at Costco for like six cents a piece and selling them for a quarter, pretty, pretty good margin on sugar when you're the supplier in, in band class or something and people are desperate for a little afternoon sugar hit. Uh, cool. Well, tell us tell us more about your your background and and how you first got into cryptocurrency. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty anti crypto for for a while in college. Uh, we had a buddy named Moven who who got into it before any of us. He was buying uh, Bitcoin 2013, 2014. Um, 
So he, he got into it and we bullied him more or less pretty relentlessly. So we'd be like, Mobin can pay you in Bitcoin and rooms would erupt into laughter. And then eventually I got into it, like would wake up in cold sweats thinking about, uh, and that was not the move. But in 2017, my, my co-founder got into trading crypto in early in the year. And he was like trying to convince me to read the, the white paper. Eventually I looked at the white paper and he and I sat down and like poked through it. I was like trying to understand like how it solved certain problems, you know, like double spend and just kept going through. And I was like, this seems like a, like a pretty reasonable innovation on the, you know, the timeline of money. It's just like, it seems like something you'd want to diversify into in some way, shape or form. Um, even if it got replaced was kind of my original mentality. But yeah, 2017 started getting into it. And then like from a career standpoint, I was a consultant for uh, pharma lobbyists for like the first year and a half out of school. And then like that was going right into the opioid crisis. So like not a fun time <laughs> to be consulting with pharma lobbyists. We did something called Alliance Development. So our job was to work with charities to lobby Capitol Hill. So if there was a, you know, a bill going through that was a net negative or, you know, the bottom line for pharmaceutical companies, they would find nonprofits and patient organizations where it aligned with their interests. They weren't going to have access to medicine, whatever it be, and they would both lobby against the bill. Usually, of course, it has a profit motive, but there were a lot of groups that actually ended up getting kind of a voice as a result of it. Um, and then up over to the Lupus Foundation, the nonprofit we were working with when I was working with those pharma lobbyists because I wanted to get out of the, the pharma lobbying sphere. Uh, again, it wasn't a ton of fun. And that's how I jumped into the nonprofit sector as their uh, integration director. Cool. And and we'll get to the Giving Block, which you're a co-founder of, of here in just a short while. But but I uh, just want to start off with kind of the, the culture of giving in the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency uh, community, which in, in my mind really goes back to the very beginning uh, of Bitcoin when, when you know, Satoshi Nakamoto was giving away Bitcoin, handing, handing, sending, sending free Bitcoin, so to speak, to Halfini very early on, uh, the first transaction between two people. Um, we also have, you know, Gavin Andreessen's, you know, uh, semi-famous, it doesn't get mentioned a heck of a lot these days, it seems, but uh, Bitcoin Faucet, which uh, is a website you could visit and, and get Bitcoin for free. So, so very early on, it seems like in the DNA of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, giving is very much um, a part of uh, the culture here. And I just was wondering, are there any estimates out there about how much either nominal or financial value Bitcoin has been kind of given away or cryptocurrency has been given away in total in the last uh, almost 13 years now? Yeah, I mean, to, to answer the, the second part first, it's it's on the order of billions. It's tough to figure out the exact number. Like there are donations on record that are nine-figure gifts. Um, so you, you can crush the numbers and you know get somewhere between one and two uh, billion just with like really big time mainstream stuff and like data we have as a company. Um, but it's really tough to, to put an exact price point. It's also tough to figure out like nonprofits who are holding it and like the ultimate value of certain gifts, those early donations, some were held, some weren't. Uh, which will eventually be realized. Um, but yeah, tons of generosity. And then to like the, the first part of your question, sort of like why is giving so inherent in the crypto community? There's two really powerful forces at play. One is the tax incentives, which is really important. I, we, we try to balance that, of course, with the impact, but it is important to know just because it's usually only been super high net worth individuals who are 
donating non-cash assets to charities is like this big tax offset opportunity. It's awesome for the charities, of course. But like most people with a stock portfolio aren't donating five branded stocks at the end of the year, just like pulling money out of a brokerage account. It just hasn't been seamless or easy. Um, so it's really kind of democratizing the ability for people to make smart financial decisions at the end of the year, especially in the US that are, I mean, just point blank, giving money to nonprofits instead of the IRS, which what would be better than that in crypto. Uh, and then the second piece is you have these folks who are genuinely intent on changing the world, which is, again, kind of in the DNA of crypto people. Like they want to flip the financial system on its head. Like they want to take money out of the hands of people who have had it for forever and get that out to people who really haven't had access to it. If you're tech savvy, if you're hardworking, if you're interested in building a better life for yourself, your family, your community, there's this new technology out there where you can get ahead without a college degree. Um, and then people end up with a, a decent pile of money and they're like, hey, this is awesome. I've checked the boxes for myself, my family. I want to do something bigger than that. So there's this pent up energy, people who are getting money for the first time in their lives and they're new to this idea of it. And they're like, how can I do something more significant? Um, so that's just only going to continue to grow as more people get into it and make their first uh, you know, dollar trading crypto. Yeah, no, I mean, cryptocurrency is such a community, you know, we sometimes call it a retail driven kind of story. Uh, it wasn't, you know, something that was born in big institutions and, um, you know, it was something that people contributed open source code to. And there's kind of this just kind of overall kind of like, you know, kind of culture and history of having to contribute and give and create this that I think very much supports uh, the, the kind of giving ethos. Um, so, so uh, again, before we get to the giving block, I want to maybe talk about some of these uh, famous uh, instances uh, of crypto giving in, in the history of Bitcoin. Um, some of these have been maybe, you know, kind of PR stunts, but, but to walk us through some, some famous instances. I think we've had some situations where someone put up a QR code on TV and there may have been some giving. Um, what, what are some of the kind of more famous and important milestones in kind of the history of crypto giving. Yeah, we, we love crypto giving PR stunts. We're very for it, just first and foremost. It's better for not just the, uh, just crypto adoption, like the, the Ellen DeGeneres gift. Um, Ashton Kutcher went on and donated crypto. That's what got my mom to think what we were doing at, at the giving block was cool. She was very against it until then. Um, but yeah, it's not just good for, for crypto adoption, but it's much better for the charities actually. Like giving crypto behind the scenes or making a big gift behind the scenes actually kind of takes a lot of the power out of it. A big donation can inspire a lot of giving and can like drive more community engagement. But yeah, the Ashen Kutcher gift was gigantic. Pineapple Fund is a huge one, of course. It, it was over 80 at the time of the pledge, but I think it ended up giving about $56 uh, million to 60 different nonprofits uh, in Bitcoin. Um, pledged in 2017, donated in 2018. Um, not uh, an instance of giving necessarily, but in terms of like blowing up the institutional giving side, Fidelity Charitable moved first in terms of donor advice funds, institutional players getting into accepting crypto donations. And, you know, they got to $100 million in crypto gifts um, 2017, 2018, I, I think in that window, they cleared it. Um, other big ones, Vitalik, of course, donated what was uh, pitched as a billion dollar donation, but I think it ended up being something like 50 million. Um, don't quote me on the number because there is a lot of price volatility and some stuff that went down there, but still really big story. Um, and now we have sort of uh, smaller, but 
more significant, I think, in terms of nonprofits, not just getting a random gift that plops in their laps, but nonprofits having crypto fundraising outcomes, which is a little bit different. So like the American Cancer Society announcing the uh, Cancer Crypto Fund, um, and they've now raised over a million dollars in crypto donations through like actually engaging the community and talking about crypto, going on panels, fundraising it. Um, United Way Worldwide, building a really big program, Save the Children. Um, these are groups that have these sort of one-off big time NFT donations or crypto donations that are becoming these uh, big bubbly stories, but it's cooler in the sense that they're actively fundraising it. They've made this commitment to crypto and um, they're not going to get the gift to kind of go away quietly. They're going to be a part of this for, for the long term. Cool. Yeah, I want to just briefly touch on the mechanics of giving, and, and this gets into how we use cryptocurrency and just how easy in some ways it, it is to, to give cryptocurrency. Uh, and I'm thinking about like meetups I've been at in the past where um, someone comes in, tells a story about a particular good cause, puts up a QR code, uh, and, and I, you know, mm -hmm. bring out, and this is apologies for the advertisement. I'm going to plug the blockchain.com wallet here briefly, but, you know, whip out the, the smartphone, scan the QR code and boom, I can send, you know, a, a relatively small sum, uh, of, of some cryptocurrencies that don't have high fees, uh, <laughs> to, to a, a charity very quickly, very easily. Uh, it just, I mean, the process I think is, is so much easier then um, I think it is in many other cases for you know just just an individual on the spot to quickly transfer even a, a relatively modest sum, but still participate in, the, in a giving process. And I just wonder if you could comment on that, the mechanics of, of giving with cryptocurrency and how that's played a role in, 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 in kind of the, the, the gift space. Yeah, no, it's, it's a... It's an interesting part of it in general. When we talk to charities, we say uh, like crypto is pretty much made in a lab for charitable giving. It's like dollars make sense in the for-profit sector, right? Like you want to get out of your pocket the thing that's hyperinflationary and burning a hole in it. It's like, it actually makes sense. You want to get that out the door versus something that you would with like a store of value. Um, but in the nonprofit space, if like you want that tax incentive, but it's only existed in stocks and no one transacts in that because the ease of use is horrific. So you combine these, it's the most tax incentivized mode of giving like stocks, but it's easier to send than a credit card. And then you have, you know, things like NFTs, which are also uh, a part of the system where it's like, now you have meme culture baked into the actual asset. Um, and like this memification of fundraising and, and culture that can like blow out your community level engagement strategies. You have a really young tech savvy, financially literate donor base that's super active online and using a form of money that's the easiest to send ever and hyper-tax incentivized. It's like, what more would you want out of a donation method? Um, and then for the donors, I'd say like the biggest issue with donors is how tech savvy they are. I'd say for the, uh, from the charity perspective, they often, like you're saying, think, uh, you know, pop up a wallet for the charity, but like the charity's reporting can be complicated. And the donor, if it's in the US, especially if it's a major gift, like they of course want to claim that the IRS say, hey, I sent this money to a charity and the IRS is like, prove it. Um, so we actually end up doing a lot of donor education around like, hey, the nonprofit should have like an institutional account that's like in the nonprofit's name tied to the 501c3 status and the EIN. Um, and like the donor will, uh, you know, sometimes want to send a nonprofit an NFT directly. And then it's like how the nonprofit reconciles what the actual value was at the time that you sent it to them. And then like selling that, 
uh, can be complicated and messy and time consuming. Um, yeah, short to, to, to answer your question. Um, the mechanics of it from the donor side are usually super easy in that they can just like send it to a, a wallet address, get a tax receipt and be on their way. Um, but from the nonprofit side, like which cryptos they choose to accept, how they accept those cryptocurrencies, dynamic wallet addresses to protect donor privacy, issuing tax receipts um, the right way in a compliant way, um, having an account that automatically sells it or if they're holding it, having a long-term financial plan, there are complications on the other side that, that are significant. But the donor side, I mean, there's never been an easier way to give charities tax incentivized money. Yeah, great, which is the perfect segue to uh, the Giving Block, the organization you co-founded. Co so, so what is it? When did you start working on it? And uh, yeah, what does it do? Yeah, um, so it's pretty much as soon as I got into trading crypto in 2017, when I thought it was you know, the magical money machine that never went down. Um, that's when the Ashton Kutcher gift was happening. That's when the Pineapple Fund Pledge happened. I was at the Lupus Foundation just like desperately trying to figure out how to fundraise more effectively. Um, and it just seemed like we're saying, like made in a lab for, for giving. And like not a lot of charities were getting into it. So like wanted to take this different approach where charities can actually be in control of their destiny. They can not only have a, a way to accept crypto when it falls in their laps, but actively fundraise it. Like have a strategy built into the community. The community can get the benefits of the nonprofit sector bleeding in and like driving legitimacy and crypto adoption. Um, and the crypto donors have, you know, a slew of charities that they can donate to. Um, but it started, yeah, at the, the Lupus Foundation, we needed to set them up to take crypto. Um, and then we needed to figure out how to fundraise it. Effectively. You didn't want what we call blockchain fatigue at the charity because like way overdid it <laughs> the first time we went in. We were just like, this is it. And I realized like it was taking time and energy away from the mission. Um, and, it, and it can be a distraction if there aren't certain kind of criteria we look at their marketing team and uh, you know whether or not they have a good individual giving program. But in short, we set up kind of a janky technical solution, hired a developer out of China to, to put it together for the first time um, and started figuring out how to fundraise it at their gala, at the walks program, online. Um, presenting at conferences and stuff, trying to build into the community. And then we had kind of a fork in the road that we had to figure out. It was either take the traditional kind of crypto-y approach where it's like, hey, we can set up sort of a, like a donor advice fund type model. And then we could pretty much equip every charity in the world to accept crypto overnight and just like have them as endpoints on the backside of it. But we saw a lot of groups that were doing it and it never really worked. Charities didn't get involved when that was the case. There was no reason to. They didn't have an account, they weren't engaging community, there weren't campaigns and fundraisers, there was just no way to scale that. Um, or we could do the other approach instead of going uh, and trying to get in front of charities that like weren't taking crypto and setting them up. We just went to all the charities that were interested in crypto who were already set up with you know different solution providers. And we were like, like what's lacking from the, the technical solution? Like what do you need automated? What do you need built? Um, what's taking up time, energy, resources from the mission? And then uh, how are you guys fundraising and how can we get better at that? Like, let's run a campaign specifically for you. Let's get in front of these crypto donors. Let's build offshoot campaigns for Giving Tuesday. Um, and Save the Children was the big tipping point. Um, once we got Save the Children to buy, and that was the first like big legitimate, like international organization that was like, these, these guys are the best at crypto fundraising. Um, that's where the, the snowball began happening. Um, and then after that, it was just building out a platform for people to come and give crypto, 
improving technical solutions for charities to take it more effectively, uh, save more time for them. And then the rest of it is like building integrations and partnerships in the crypto side to make sure that like if there are companies or individuals of import uh, in crypto that want to do anything charitable, it's like we are going to make sure that like every dollar they give is maximally effective. Back to the uh, the PR stunts, like what you're talking about. Like we want to take a million dollar donation and turn it into a story and use it as a match for other donors to give. And they have those donors coming in and taking a giving pledge and becoming ambassadors for charities and build up kind of what we call the, the crypto philanthropy engine. Cool. What, and and um, with Save the Children, and yeah, I wanted, wanted you to mention some of, the, some of the organizations you're working with, so feel free to plug a few more. And, um, but but you know, with, with Save the Children or others, can you talk us through some of the you know, main obstacles? And I think you've kind of alluded to some of those already um you know that that nonprofits organizations that are looking to do this run into what what barriers what challenges uh are are often um you know uh you know you helping people overcome you know it could be you know educational questions technical tax reporting all of the above I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's a long list <laughs> it's 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 a long list yeah it, it depends on the the charity too um for the charities where it's not a long list, where they're like all in, it's usually actually the opposite we're doing is pumping the brakes. Again, the blockchain fatigue thing. That's usually smaller nonprofits who are like, we're going all in on crypto. And you can tell it's like a lottery ticket. Like it's just the vibe when they're coming in. We try to be like really careful, especially with the small group. They don't have a lot of resources. They don't have a lot of time and energy. It's like their site's not mobile optimized. They don't have a full-time social media person. They don't really have a consistent donor base. It's like, don't do this. Like it could work, but it's, I, I just say that because I know your audience is mostly crypto users. Like, please, if you work with a small charity, it's like, just be cognizant, despite the fact that you love crypto. Like, it, it's a great thing for them to get into, but like balance that, I guess, with other priorities. Uh, but in short, uh, some of it is education, the leadership team getting buy-in. Sometimes it's the board piece. Um, once the organization is bought in on crypto, then we try to evaluate, like, pretty much, are you looking for like a technical solution, no headaches, full stop? Um, and then we run campaigns, we'll send a marketing kit to basic stuff where they can participate kind of passively. Or like, are you going more kind of on a crypto you're building up as a pillar of your fundraising programs? Uh, and when that's the case, then there's like an infinite number of layers that we can stack on depending on what they need and what we think will generate the best ROI. So it's everything from like major gifts training for teams that have like, you know, a big pool of people who give them a bunch of money at the end of every year, usually in the month of December, like getting in front of those folks, asking them if they take crypto and then importing them in the right way to um, individual giving campaigns. They'll do a crypto specific campaign or they'll have like an international walks program that they need to layer a technical solution in seamlessly and have the right calls to action. Um, you can back that all the way down to just basic stuff where just like, hey, how do we talk about cryptocurrency? It's like, we wanna get into Reddit. Sometimes they, have like a bunch of YouTube videos. They're like a, a channel on YouTube that puts out videos of like animals getting adopted, something like the Dodo. And they'll put that sort of a, a video out. It's like, hey, let's add a Bitcoin QR code and see if it gets attention. And it often does. Um, but that's it for the most part. Once the technical solution is in place, unless they need to customize that, build sort of an API feed with active donation data coming through, everything comes down to figuring out like what's the best kind of fundraising pattern for this organization to to approach this from that'll like generate the best ROI. And then we start kind of layering crypto on based on how much return they're getting from the energy they're putting in. Mm -hmm. 
And, and you, you touched on this uh, in your response about how, you know, especially sometimes smaller nonprofits will want to go all in, will want to mm -hmm. hold on to crypto, uh, you know, and not convert it into to something like US dollars, and in essence, become a crypto trader. Um, and you hear this often with cryptocurrency miners, how, you know, there's a view amongst traders that they shouldn't be holding their, their Bitcoin and, and, and speculating. They're, that's not their core competency. You know, they're good at mining, but, you know, can they time the market like a professional trader can? And, 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 and it makes me even no, more nervous, I guess, in some ways to hear that nonprofits are, you know, uh, not just wanting to accept crypto, but, you know, have a, have a view on, on the near-term price direction and, and whatnot. But um, can you talk about what percent are, um, you know, deciding to hold all or some of the crypto donations in crypto versus ones that are immediately converting uh, to, to, you know, the US dollar, for example, to put that to work right away? Yeah, it's actually, um, I don't want to frame it. I, mean, I just want to be careful about the way I'm framing it. It's not a net negative that charities are holding. It just needs to be handled responsibly. Um, two, th two things, especially for small charities. One, going all in on crypto. Like you spend the whole week trying to like, coordinate an NFT drop or something with no relationships and you spend you know, six months on something. It's like, you're not serving your mission. That stresses me out. But then again, like what you're saying now, we're, we're starting to see it more, especially from December, January period. Like a lot of our charities were like, turn off the auto conversion. And we were like, do you have a plan? <laughs> like, please have a plan where they're just like, it's usually right at the top, like the classic narrative where they're just like, this thing's going up forever, like turn it off. Um, that part isn't great. If you have a plan though, as a charity um, for holding it, like if you reach a certain threshold or you're going into it, just clear eyed and you're, you're saying, we're going to hold this as an endowment. I actually think that that's great. And I think the crypto community is driving that because of like hodl culture in general. I think this is from like my background as a nonprofit person. Like one of the worst things that happens to charities is they're told like, one, you can't lose money. Like you can't take risk with your money and like try to innovate because if it's not a dollar, like if I give you a dollar and it's not a full dollar going to a sandwich in a kid's hand, um, I, the donor feels like they're losing something, which is of course the case, right? Like there, there is something, there's an ethical balance between um, throwing money away without proper forethought. But there's also an ethical balance between like, if you totally tell nonprofits they can't take risk with their money in the same way that like any individual investor, if you were telling that to, you know, if it was your parents or you're the parents of a child and just saying like, leave your money in the bank, don't invest it in stocks, like that would be silly. Um, or, you know, spend money on something like an education because you're gonna make more money down the road. It's like charities are told they can't make financial decisions in the same way that like we've always understood it's better for people in the for-profit sector. So two things happening. One is nonprofits are being told by crypto users more often than not that you can be a little bit more innovative. They're okay seeing nonprofits spend money like running fundraisers or uh, owning NFTs and building out like um, not auctions, but uh, I can't even remember. Like uh, if, if you go to like an art installation, but a gallery um, and they're making money off these things, they're experimenting a bit more. And then two, a lot of crypto donors are like, I'm giving you a million dollars and I want you to hold it, which to a charity is so mind boggling. And there's something so cool about the idea that like they hold that and over time, like it appreciates and it's guaranteeing the future of this charity and allowing them to take more risks and experiment in ways that in the for-profit sector, like we totally understand if enough organizations are doing that, we will have a faster innovation curve, right? When startups and companies are taking some risk, you end up with better outcomes, like a long and long enough timeline with enough organizations participating. 
crypto as a community is unlocking that. So I don't want to talk people out of telling nonprofits to hold their crypto or supporting a nonprofit who says they want to hold it. It's like just making sure that they're doing it clear-eyed with a plan for the future and that it's not taking away from the mission. But when that is the case, I think it's actually sort of a paradigm shift in the charitable sector that the crypto community can be driving. They can get charities to actually put money away for the future and have an endowment, even though you're not Harvard, you're a nonprofit with a million dollar a year budget. Like that's a really cool, um, yeah, just shift in the nonprofit culture that I think crypto users can be driving. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. And, and you mentioned Harvard, uh, you know, I, when I was at the University of Cambridge, you know, we, we were painfully aware of how, you know, small the endowments are at UK universities like Oxford, Cambridge, et cetera, compared to the Yales and the Harvards. And it really pained me to see uh, Dave Swenson at Yale being one of the first endowment managers to, to wade into crypto at a university. And it was like a case of the, the rich, um, you know, again, making the first asymmetric bets, uh, you know, on, on crypto. And it was like, why wasn't Cambridge or another smaller university that, that is trying to catch up uh, endowment wise, kind of taking this first step. So yeah, hundred percent agree that, you know, if it's done responsibly, it seems to make a lot of sense for, for nonprofits to try to try to save some and, and, um, and, and uh, yeah, just, just, uh, yeah, just don't get carried away as, 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 as you mentioned. Um, so just coming back to the giving block um, and, uh, you know, your, your business model, I guess, you know, and, and, and how you operate, um, I think is something that probably comes up, of course, I'm sure with, with institutions you're looking to partner with. Can you talk us through uh, that, that side of the giving block? Yeah, 100%. So like we're, we've tried, yeah, different angles. Like where we're at right now is we do an annual subscription. I think this is probably going to be the way it exists for the long term. Um, eventually, we're going to try to create kind of uh, like a like a free feeder program into it. But there's a lot of like we work with partner organizations that have like free solutions for charities to just like accept a crypto gift. Um, so like we make that part easy. But usually, it's nonprofits who want to actively fundraise crypto is sort of the the groups that we serve, which is pretty much every charity at this point, just because it's it's a hot time obviously to get into it. And there's a lot of money on the table for charities put in a little time and energy and get this proportionally high outcomes. So we do an annual subscription and that scales based on what charities need, like smaller nonprofits. It's like a small subscription where they'll just work with us in a very basic capacity. And most of the stuff we do, we kind of churn out to all of them um, collectively. We just like put together marketing kits and guidance. We, we do a lot of webinars, all client meetings, coach them up, send out just information about like how to most effectively fundraise NFTs or partnerships and just become kind of a resource center. And then uh, those scale up to like premium, which is groups that want to fundraise really actively. And like we sit down with their teams and come up with individualized strategies, connect them with one another, help them build out programs. The partner comes in and we, our team will pretty much become their crypto fundraising arm. So like we're coordinating an NFT drop or setting up an arrangement with a platform to get a share of, uh, you know, transaction fees. And it's like this long-term corporate partnership or like co-branding ads through our Brave Ad Grants program. Um, and then we have like custom stuff for like a handful of like the really big ones who want to just go all in. As our investors say, it's completely unscalable <laughs> at the uh, at the high end. But those are the most fun and experimental things. And like that's where we get really good at what we do. Organizations with large budgets, they're running ads and they're trying to like fine tune the the SEO approaches of getting in front of these donors. And then they're trying to run campaigns. Um, we have a big nonprofit 
coming. I shouldn't say the name who they are, but like they're running like a really, uh, um, just a really big crypto campaign right now who's coming over to our platform and like they've been crushing it. And like being able to talk to groups like that about like bigger long-term strategy and sort of future-proofing their crypto fundraising, partnering more effectively with the companies who are working with them. Um, but yeah, in short, it's it's uh, annual subscription and then percentages on donations. The percentage on donations varies based on the type of partner and how much volume we drive in. Um, it can go all the way up to like 5% on donations, which in crypto I know seems super high, but the only reason that exists is because we're not a payment processor, which we will never be. And we're adamantly against, and that's not our thing, like clipping a ticket based on a piece of tech you've already built and can scale indefinitely. And you just make more money because you make more money. Everything we do is individualized. We build out individual programs. And right now we generate a little over 80% of the donations that charities receive, which is, you can talk to you know any of the charities we work with, that's uncommon in the, the nonprofit services sector. Usually it's just some company who has tech that they don't have. So they have to just pay a percentage of donations that they reel in. Um, we're actively driving the majority of crypto giving for the time being. We hope to maintain position. We run the main crypto fundraising campaigns. We run the crypto giving pledge for the industry. Um, and we're you know running the main crowdfunding platform on top of building individually the individual giving crypto programs at all of the charities. Um, so in short, yeah, those are our, uh, it's the hybrid model between subscriptions and fees. Um, and we're just constantly trying to, to tune up those numbers in a way where the nonprofits get like enough disproportionate impact and revenue, um, that everyone is super happy with us to date. We have less than 1% attrition. I think that's going to always be the case as long as we keep doing what we do. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, free ways to, to accept cryptocurrency that are out there in the world. So we're proud of that, obviously. I know in crypto, it's not always uh, beloved to be a middleman, but I would just ask, yeah, anyone who's donating crypto to any of our charities, it's like reach out and talk to them about us. Um, and they can walk you through all the stuff that we do for them from a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, yeah, we, we deliver a ton of value. Yeah. So let's let's uh, now talk about um, the types of cryptocurrency that are being given. Um, you know, we've mentioned Bitcoin, which which I uh, imagine is is one of the you know more common choices, but not the only choice. But um, you know, alongside this, what crypto people are uh, donating, and and how you see kind of you've mentioned NFTs, how you see the the kind of um, giving landscape evolving. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts also about the regulatory landscape and how that intersects with giving and, and, and what you hear from, from institutions, nonprofits who are thinking about this and, you know, who, who, you know, probably aren't looking, I imagine, to take a lot of regulatory or compliance risk and, you know, mm -hmm. like what advice you give them. <laughs> yeah. There, the regulatory landscape. Right? So two parts to your question, right? Like what does giving look like currently? And then the regulatory piece of it. Um, the biggest thing like trend-wise is starting to happen in the nonprofit sector. Like last year, uh, we had our first hundred nonprofits that we were serving. Now, by the end of this year, we'll be over a thousand. Like we're on, we're on pace to be there. So um, more regular charities getting into crypto is starting to happen more and more. So there's definitely a tipping point that it's becoming kind of a normalized payment method, which I think, in short, because of the tax incentives, I don't think until we have widespread stablecoin adoption, like crypto payments will be a huge thing. I actually think the nonprofit sector can lead the way because it's so heavily optimized. It's literally the best way to give to charities in a way that 
you know, crypto isn't as convenient as the US dollar based on banks and everyone else adopting it. Um, so in short, I, I think the nonprofit sector is catching up to that. On the crypto side, in terms of giving culture, the biggest thing happening now is NFTs kind of changing the game. Um, it's just driving a lot more uh, individual giving from, uh, you know, the, the one-offs, just, just people who are kind of out there in the ecosystem giving one-time donations versus last year, a lot more of the giving was sort of corporate gifts and then uh, high net worth investors doing large tax offsets. So uh, the crowdfunding and the individual giving stemming out of NFTs are huge. So I would just, yeah, recommend to, to everyone, if you have cryptocurrency, like please consider obviously giving to a charity versus giving it to the IRS. Um, and then for the regulatory front, there is a cool opportunity I think we have as an industry just based on uh, my background, working with pharma companies to work with charities to lobby Capitol Hill for bills to serve both parties. Crypto is in a really good spot to do that same thing because of the tax incentives to donate crypto to charities. And because it's this really big bubbly um, trend that's occurring in the nonprofit sector, like if the crypto, uh, if crypto as a sector, you know, the associations and the trade groups wanted to work with the biggest nonprofits, the biggest universities, donor advised funds out of institutional actors um, to pretty much say that tax policies, like these are just hurting individual traders, but you might push something through that's going to completely remove the incentive um, to support charities in XYZ situation. Here's how much money is not going to go to charities if you pass this bill. And literally brand counter bills is sort of like the protect nonprofit donations act or, or whatever you wanted to call it. I think we're in a, like a tremendous uh, position as an industry to pretty much partner with the nonprofit sector and inextricably tied nonprofits to crypto as like an inherent intersection. Um, and then for the nonprofits, I guess what they're most concerned about is uh, everyone trying to send them their tokens recently. So we spent like a lot of time screening different projects who want a partnership and like how nonprofits use the word partner, especially some of these big kind of meaty brands and the universities now that that's faith-based groups too. Like we have big reputations to uphold and we're entrusted by like billion dollar organizations at this point, which is even crazy to say. Um, that's the, the weirdest part from a regulatory standpoint, like which of these cryptos are okay to take directly and which ones are not. And then when we take these things directly, how can we talk about it in a way we're not like promoting what is eventually deemed an unregistered security? Yeah. And, and, and can you, can you name names here on, on what is okay to accept generally speaking in your view and, and what um, at present, at least there's some questions about or hesitations even um, you know, uh, what, what, what are, what crypto, and if you have statistics, even like roughly, you know, we think, you know, we're, you know, X percent is coming in Bitcoin and so on. That'd be interesting mm -hmm. here as well. Yeah. I, so for, for crypto users listening, which I know is your audience, like don't freak out <laughs> at the way that I'm about to outline this. Cause like, there's a lot of people every day, just doesn't do something nice with a so for it might be that's just like it's too close. It just don't necessarily eventually be treated. The, the charity can be tied up and spent it's like SEC investigation. Um so in short, we recommended the charities just like work with a institutional exchange to accept a set of cryptocurrencies that they and their legal teams deem fit. Like we use Gemini as our back end, like in pretty much all cases for charities taking the gifts. So if Gemini is listing the currency and saying it's acceptable, probably the most careful. In the U.S., that's where we draw a line. I wouldn't say that, like myself or anyone on my team, is going to have 
better expertise to determining which cryptos are kosher from a regulatory standpoint versus someone like a Gemini with these big legal teams. Um, but yeah, I, I would say for a nonprofit, I would recommend just sticking with Gemini's perspective on, on what is appropriate is the most careful. But then of course there are exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken, other folks like list a whole lot more. Um, and it's not that they are uncareful, it's just slightly more risk. And then anything beyond that, like it's not listed on any major exchange in the US for the most part, I'd say it's probably not worth getting into, even though there are people who are making a bunch of money on these quick one-off tokens who want to donate that directly. If you are a donor and you want to do something nice for the charity, I'd say just please convert it to a Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever it might be, just, just one of the, the blue chips so that the nonprofit transaction record is appropriate to, to protect you know, the sanctity of the nonprofit and make sure that you don't put them in a bad position despite your generosity. Um, know that they don't hate you <laughs> when they're not taking whatever the token is. Or if we're saying like, I'm sorry, they can't take it. It's just because like, we got to look out for everyone on the platform. We can't have you know, some token go down a ball of flames that hurts, you know, thousands of nonprofits ability to fundraise crypto effectively and, and protect their brands. Yep. So just to transition a little bit to the political world, we've been we've been talking about regulation, of course, but we've seen now for some time, some political candidates in the US and I believe elsewhere, accepting cryptocurrency donations, and that this has been okayed by the election authorities in the US in some cases. And I was just wondering, are, are you in the giving block involved in any way with um, political donations? And, and what are you seeing there? I, I know uh, uh, that I, I believe, I believe this, this is, I think uh, something that was new this week, Brad Sherman in, in California's opponent. Um, uh, and Brad Sherman's a, a, a legislator who's had some, some Choice words for cryptocurrency, uh, uh, but I believe uh, his opponent uh, is, is accepting Bitcoin, um, and we've seen other candidates uh, accept accept cryptocurrency. What is the the, the current landscape around political political donations, and um, how do you see that evolving over time? Um, the most straightforward way of putting it is most of the time, political candidates are taking crypto. To date, it's bullshit. Um, it's a PR stunt. So like, I, I won't name names for any in particular, but they're setting up like an intentionally um, impossible to fill out form. And it's just like, you have to provide like your social security number and a driver's license, just like to an individual. And then you have to get on a phone call with somebody for like a series of screening interviews. It's just like, no one's actually gonna use the processes that a lot of these folks put in place. It just becomes a PR stunt. Um, some of that is reasonable though, because for, for political donations, there are, different rules and regulations around it. Like they can't take donations from outside of the US and it's a lot more, um, it's pretty much just a lot more fraught in general. So it's a thing that we look at. We don't, uh, I don't think we have the proper infrastructure set up to like know for sure that we can screen donations and accept them on behalf of political candidates effectively. But if we could, I think it's uh, a good space to get into. We've explored it a little bit because there's such a small appetite. And I think the only reason politicians take it for the most part is the date PR stunts, um, it doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense. However, I like that they're saying it, I guess it does kind of legitimize it. So I just keep, keep stunting away, I suppose. Cool. Well, I think, uh, yeah, we, we've covered a lot of, a lot of ground here. It's a really exciting area, um, the giving landscape and, and crypto. And, and it's a story that, uh, frankly, I don't always feel the media does enough um, 
to cover and, and talk up how, how you know, positive this aspect of cryptocurrency is and, and has been from really the beginning as we've discussed. But uh, you know, for institutions out there um, who are looking to get involved in, in crypto um, donations, you know, where can they go to learn more? Where can they go to follow you? Uh, you know, how, how do people get involved? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So for, if you're an individual, like you're someone in crypto, again, like you're saying, I don't think this, this stuff does get enough coverage. I think the, the nonprofit adoption of crypto nonprofit sector rather could be like the single greatest force in crypto adoption, like for the foreseeable future, if we all go in on this, which I think is doable. Um, our crypto giving pledge is 1% of crypto donate to charities each year, just based on market cap, that could be 20 billion this year, which would be gigantic, you know? We could be the most charitable, you know, sector on the planet. So, in short, if you're an individual who wants to do something, like first, if you want to take the crypto giving pledge, that's an awesome start. You can just say, like, hey, I'm going to donate to to charities every year. That's literally all our pledge. There's no paperwork or anything. Um, we just want more people kind of committing to that idea. And then, two, if you're about to do something charitable or you're thinking about it, like, please just hit us up in advance. Again, back to the PR stunt stuff. Like that stuff is critically important and like nothing upsets us more i shouldn't say nothing upsets us more but it is a bummer when someone just like gives 50 million dollars to a charity behind the scenes and the charity just takes it and like it just kind of dies there versus like hey you're someone in crypto people care about or like this donation could be a big deal we can talk to the charity and like set it up as a matching fund and like use it for their end of year campaign and there could be like interviews and stories and We'll take your donation and turn it into something bigger 100% of the time. We'll, we'll make your dollar do more for a charity. So if you want to give to a charity and you're confused about the best way to do it, hit us up um, or participate in our campaigns. If you are a company who wants to do something charitable, we build uh, crypto philanthropy giving programs for companies. So everything from volunteer opportunities with the charities we work with to setting up a giving portal to match your employee donations to having a peer-to-peer -peer fundraising campaign for your users, circa trading fees, competition on exchange, NFT drop, whatever it might be. If you're a company in crypto, hit us up. Like we can do awesome charitable stuff and partner with cool nonprofits. Um, and yeah, and if you're a charity and you're interested in getting into crypto, even if you are super small, I know I said it could be a distraction. We have like instruction sets we send to really small charities. We have a lot of information we can send you on how to get tuned up, uh, help you kind of explore whether or not crypto makes sense and in what capacity. And then when it does make sense, help you build a, a kick-ass crypto philanthropy program. Awesome. Pat, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, really appreciate all the work you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate us and leave a review as it really helps boost our visibility to more listeners.